This is a dill pickle, a mighty pretty pickle, especially when he joins you at the show. We have lots of pretty pickles waiting for you at the refreshment center. They're plump, tender, mouth-watering. Wouldn't one taste good right now? Once again, to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, podcast on the Dark Discussions News Network, www.darkdiscussions.com. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. And with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Hey, Barrett. How's it going? It's going good. Excellent. And in the province of Alberta, Canada. Cheers to my peers. It's Sean. Sean, how are you? I'm doing okay. Surviving the new year, so I'll take Excellent. it. Excellent. All right. So uh, let's see here. So uh, we're here to do a, a new movie tonight. Uh, basically, for folks who are new to the podcast or stumbled upon us or whatnot, uh, basically, we do uh reviews mostly on genre films so horror sci-fi fantasy thrillers techno thrillers mysteries grindhouse art house midnight movies uh, cult films foreign language films foreign films art house films which i think i already said and then we also do uh interviews as well sometimes and things of that nature uh, you can once again find us at darkdiscussions.com uh, where all the podcasts are located but you also can find us wherever podcasts are found under two different feeds the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Review feed which is a feed that um, is specific to this podcast but you also can go to Dark Discussions podcast feed which will include this podcast as well as the Dark Discussions podcast uh, the Dark Discussions News Network is a network that's been around for over almost 11 years now and uh, has a number of podcasts, news articles, reviews, all sorts of things. So it's a website you should probably check out uh, daily. If you want to email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com, please do, and we will read your uh, emails on the podcast. Uh, your emails can be anything like film suggestions, uh, your opinions on, say, the film we are discussing tonight, uh, ideas, uh, anything of, of value or even a, a film that you found that was interesting and you wanted to let folks uh, have a little review uh, and we will read it on the podcast. And that's uh, darkdiscussions at AOL.com or just go to darkdiscussions.com and press the contact us link and we will um, uh, get it as an email. Um, all right, so that's pretty much it. Uh, tonight is uh, an interesting uh, film that we were planning to do a while ago, but uh, for some reason it just kept on getting pushed back. Uh, but uh, Barrett, uh, let me ask you: um, what, what, what? Not, not the film, but, but uh, what came about to get us to want to do film starring this person and whatnot? So last year, I can't believe I'm saying actually, that. actually two two years ago. Now. Oh yeah, it was two years ago now. Yeah, 2020. Um, yeah, Kelly Preston passed, and we wanted to do a tribute. Um, podcast for her and I kind of came up with this movie um, and we were going to talk about it long long time ago but we're finally getting to it now um, and I'm glad we are because I think it's a 
pretty good movie uh, gem out of the 80s. So, yeah, we also uh, recorded a another 80s film with Kelly Preston, uh, Twins. I mean, Twins, yes. I think that was our very first podcast we ever did together. That, that uh, still is in the queue. It has never been released yet. So, so oh, that one hasn't been released. Out. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll still uh, uh, get that one out. It's just that we've uh, uh, held on to it for a while. Um, uh, no real reason to be honest. Actually, I think I was keeping it as a potential uh, for a bunch of films we were planning to do about Kelly Preston, a month of them, and it, it never occurred. Uh, so I guess we can probably just release it uh, soon enough. Um, all right. So uh, I guess you know if we have any other news or what we've been watching, things that would interest people that would listen to uh, this type of podcast, we can uh, give that information later in this episode, assuming we have time. Uh, but before we do all that, we should get into our topic tonight. And uh, Eric, uh, what are we going to discuss tonight? We are going to be discussing the movie Spellbinder, directed by Janet Greek, um, written by Tracy Torme, and it stars Tim Daly, Kelly Preston, and Rick Rosovich. Um, Tim Daly, as people probably know, was in Madam Secretary. Um, and Kelly Preston was in a lot of different movies. Um, I can't begin to list them all. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right, sounds good. So uh, let's uh, listen to the trailer. Jeff Mills has a successful career and a great future. He's got it all. I'm tired of dating. I want to fall in love. Hey, get away from me! out of this! And now he's met Miranda. You will regret this for as long as you live. You're welcome to stay at my place if you want to. Welcome home. You've never been in love. You're not sure you ever will be. Do you believe that woman? A girl could be a movie star. She's everything he ever dreamed of. I'm willing to bet he's never been quite so happy. And more. Us. I've seen blood running down its walls. You have her. We want her back. A man would do anything for a girl like her. Spellbinder. All right, so, uh, yeah, once again, uh, the film is uh, Spellbinder, and Spellbinder was from 1988. Uh, it's a horror film directed by Janet Greek, uh, probably best known for her work on Babylon 5. Uh, the film was uh, written by Tracy Tome, uh who's uh, written and worked on a number of series, including uh, Fire in the Sky, uh, the film, as well as Star Trek The Next Generation and Sliders. Uh, the film, is, as Barrett mentioned, st stars Kelly Preston, but also uh, Timothy Daly, probably known for Wings, and uh, Rick Rosovich, uh, pretty much from um, a number of films from the 80s, including uh, The Terminator, that's how I knew him, uh, but he also was um, the lead on Pacific Blue, which was... Uh, he was also in Top Gun. 
Yeah, yes, and I yes, remember him from Roxanne. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He was in that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so those are those are the three main stars, and then there's there's a number of uh, uh, other folk of note here and there that um, would be, I guess, uh, nostalgia for people from the '80s, uh, late '70s, and '90s. Um, so, uh, I guess we can get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. And uh, since Barrett, you you were the one that actually uh suggested this one as one of the films to do for the kelly preston tribute uh episodes uh why don't you start all right um i saw this film back when it came out um i remember being surprised by the ending um and i really liked it i liked this film a lot now i was pretty young then um i won't say how old nobody needs to know that (laughs) but uh i really liked the film and i remembered it and i wanted us to watch it and do a podcast on it and it fit perfectly because kelly preston was in it probably the first time i had ever seen her okay and uh any further thoughts um i really enjoyed it um that's about all i can say I, most of the stuff that i would say is kind of spoilery <laughs> fair enough fair enough uh all right what about you sean uh i had not been aware of that movie prior which so it was a nice surprise to get it to watch it and it would have been i think it would have been 12 when it came out so i don't think i would have been able to see it in the theaters at the time but uh yeah i was really enjoyed it and uh not spoiling anything but i really loved the ending and what they did with it especially for the time and yeah i just i enjoyed the the cast that was involved and yeah i have nothing bad to say all right sounds good uh yeah for me I only heard about this film when we were looking through Kelly Preston's filmography uh, when she passed and we were deciding to do episodes of this back in 2020. Um, so I, I didn't know too much about the film, um, but uh, I've always been a fan of uh, Kelly Preston. I, I originally think I, I saw her from A Secret Admirer, where she was really good in that. And then she was in, a, a, what, Space Camp, was it called? Or something yes! Like that. Oh, that might be the first time I saw her. Yeah, that was a great movie. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, I saw her in Twins, and, and that's when I really became a big fan of her um, and, and whatnot. So, uh, um, There's that so, movie where she's she's with Travolta in it, and they go to Russia, and they're in the American city in Russia. That's really hilarious, too. <clears throat> What's the name of that one? Do you know? Oh, I can't think of the name. Oh, was, of it. Uh, was that the experts? It might be. Yeah. Uh, that that or, sounds like the name. It's okay. it's hilarious though. I think that's probably how they probably met actually because they yeah. uh, got married and uh, um, until her passing of cancer. Um, so, yeah. it, so it is. It's the experts. You are correct. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so I uh, bought the Blu-ray for this back in 2020, planning to uh, watch it for the episode uh, that we were going to record. And, of course, it never happened, so I never opened the Blu-ray. So I just opened it up a couple of days ago and, re- and watched it uh, last night. And um, the film uh, at first was a little slow, I thought. But um, it is listed as a horror slash romance, so it kind of uh, makes sense. Um but, uh, <laughs> I think that's hilarious that it's titled a romance. Um, so I um, 
watched it and uh i was uh pleasantly surprised um it was really good actually um i was shocked that they went there and i, I won't say anything else of what that means until we get into spoilers because um it's 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 definitely a dark film uh which was unexpected and it was also uh, different than I thought because I went in completely blind. I was thinking it was going to be like a high school type film, you know, kids in high school, similar to like uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, but with witches or, or spell casting. Um, and uh, I, th- I, I think it may not become popular because of the darkness that it went. I mean, that, that was, I was just completely shocked. Um, so, uh, yeah, I like the film a lot. I think this could be considered a hidden gem, uh, from the eighties. And it's a film that probably was overlooked because that was the, the, uh, decade of the slashers. Uh, yeah. And but, I want to interject your, your point about, um, it having a, a darkness to it. That was really ahead of its time. I mean, now we get that all the time. But back then, that was not really common. I mean, aside from, I mean, slashers, yeah, they're dark. But, I mean, this was a movie that you wouldn't have expected to be dark. No. I also think it had only a limited uh, theatrical release, too, is what I think I read. Which probably made it more why it was, you know, not out there. Right, right. That's an excellent point as well. Uh, Which is kind of surprising because uh, it was 1988. And it was an MGM production, um, and you know, the artist production. I mean, they have the, the lion roaring right when you turn on the film. So uh, it is kind of surprising that that was the case. Um, so, yeah, um, I would definitely recommend anybody to go search this out, uh, whether you're a Kelly Preston fan or Hidden Gems or films that actually turn pretty dark, as well as... Uh, some other topics um, that would interest certain horror fans, like uh, witch horror, sat- satanic horror, stuff like that. Um, yep. this, this film, this film uh, would fit the bill for sure. Um, all right, so that's pretty much our feelings. Uh, so I guess uh, with that, uh, Barrett, do you have a wiki? Wiki, 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 wiki. I do, um, or I did, and now it has disappeared on me. <laughs> Hold on just a second, and I'll get it back up. I, I would like to say that I first came across uh, Kelly Preston in Christine. That was the first movie I ever got to see her in. Yeah, I thought well, she was awesome at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. For sure. All right, what do we got, Barrett? All right. A young lawyer, after falling in love with a beautiful woman, finds that she has an extremely mysterious past. All right, that sounds good. Um, Pretty vague. Yeah, yeah. doesn't spoil anything. Uh, I I didn't see the trailer, so I, I don't know if the trailer is spoiler or not. Does any, anybody know? I do not I remember. Bothered, so. Yeah, I didn't yeah. look at the trailer for this. I'm sure I saw it back in the day. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, I guess basically for folks who are new to the podcast, uh, what we do is we talk about general things, uh, at the beginning that are related to the film or the people behind the film or, or whatever, or even the subject in general. But, uh, at a certain point we'll throw up the spoiler warning. And after that, we will talk about everything and anything related to the film. Um, 
and for folks who are curious, we're also we don't just review films; we critique and dissect um, scenes and whatnot. Uh, so we're we go into in depth and things of that nature. Um, all right, so uh, let's let's get into some um, stuff uh, that is more basic and not plot spoiler. Really. Um, so we talked a little bit about Kelly Preston and our thoughts about her and where we first found her, her you, know, you know, where we saw her and what films and such. Um, but what about um, this type of horror film in general? And um, I guess I'm talking about witches and, and devil stuff. Um, and, and I know you laugh, Barrett, but um, there, there is a romance type aspect of the film the first there is, 40 minutes sure. or so which which <laughs> it's the uh, irony though that i'm laughing at not the not the fact that there is a love story in the beginning it's like sure. dark twilight <laughs> right well, well, so, i mean i mean you know what it kind of was and um uh, people have probably seen um this tv show uh you y-o-u yeah Without the supernatural, I mean, but with supernatural in it, I guess, because in that TV show, it's kind of romance, but it's also a serial killer psycho, and it's kind of weird. <laughs> stalker, yeah, stalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it is that kind of this movie kind of reminded me of that in a sense, because you have a, a questionable person, and then there's a lot of, um, you know date type uh, scenes in the film similar to that Y.O.U. But you know, like in Y.O.U., you know the guy's a psycho. Um, and here, you know something's off as well. Um, and so that's what I kind of felt it was like. Um, the film also is, it's very typically 80s filming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it is unmistakable <laughs> so if you're not a fan of films from the 80s you might not like it um because it does have that exact feel to it right yeah that is true uh it definitely does have the 80s feel and i don't know how to explain that i don't uh, either it's but it is a feeling you can get it's like i'm currently watching miami vice i'm forcing my wife to watch it with me and it, Miami Vice has a particular 80s feel. There's only certain there's certain things they did in movies and shows back then, and you can just tell <laughs> the difference. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, my wife, when I was saying that I had to watch a film for a podcast, she was curious, and I told her that it was an 80s film, and she said, I oh, forget it, because she doesn't like watching older films. Um, <laughs> so, so, but I don't know. She may have actually liked the first 30 to 40 minutes, because it does have the relationship thing in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but again, yeah, that older film making technique, whether it's 60s, 70s, 80s, or even 90s, she's, she's not really into it. Um, now, uh, what about you, Sean? Uh, what's, what's some of your favorite devil or witch films, or is there any that even stick out for that matter? I mean, obviously uh, you got the exorcist and Rosemary's baby and stuff, but, well, I was always a Ninth Gate person. I loved okay. the Ninth Gate. That's, that that's like yep. one of my favorites for for all time, just because of how it was shot, and I thought the story was really 
well done. I just enjoyed the journey that you you went through. So I think that was probably one of my favorites if you're going down that route, aside from, you know, the omen or Rosemary's Baby or anything like along those lines. Right. Yep. Uh, what I was about trying you? to think, there's oh, a movie yeah, that... Oh, sorry. Please I was trying continue. to think, there was... It, it kind of had a little bit of a feel. There's a Tom Selleck movie from the 80s where he's fighting... I think it's Ron Silver's The Bad Guy. And he has, like, hmm. the crazy, like, little robots that are murderous. It <laughs> For some reason, it was just the way it was shot. It reminded me a little bit of that. But I can't remember what the name of his that movie was. Isn't it like Runaway or something like that? I thought it was, but it's not matching my memory. So, or at least it's not showing up for the yeah nineteen eighty four. I think yeah, Tom Selleck in the near future. Yeah, police officer specializes in malfunctioning robots. <laughs> yes, but for some reason I thought Ron Silver was the bad guy, so I'm I'm whacked on that. But no, it's not Ron Silver. It's Gene Simmons. It's Gene Simmons. So I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm thinking of another movie with Ron. Do you Silver mean Gene Simmons guy. from 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 the yeah, Rock from Band? Case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you yeah, haven't seen right. it, Phil, you should see it. It should be on your list. It's very much an '80s movie. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt about that. It's Michael uh-huh. Crichton who wrote and directed it, by the way. Just FYI. Oh, all right. Yeah, I would have interest in that, uh, actually, then. Anything with Michael Crichton, he did Looker at that period, too, and that was a pretty damn good film. And Selleck is awesome, so I like anything he's in. But <laughs> this one, sure, sure. yeah, a little iffier, but it's worth I having apologize on your list. <laughs> I apologize for the sidetrack, but that's what I was thinking, so that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I don't know about me. Um, which films or devil films besides the the, the obvious ones? I was uh, thinking about Witchboard and Ouija. I don't know why, because they're similar time period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Witchboard. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. What was the other Clive Barker one that had the gin? The gin. Because I also had it like it. I, had the quantum like, leap guy. Yes. Uh, Scott oh Matthew. no. He was in one of that the Clyde the Barker ones. One. Yeah, he it was. It wasn't the Jin one. It was a, di- a different one. But it was like Master of Illusion or something. Or something. I don't oh, know. But, right. Wait, oh, Wishmaster. But there was another Wishmaster. Wishmaster. That's it. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's the one with the Jin. yep. That's the one with the Jin. That's what it kind of also had, a, like, I don't know, a vibe of. So. Yeah, all, those, all these films we're talking about had similar filming styles. Because they, yes. they might have gone into the 90s, but they still, the beginning of the they 90s, still it. had that 80s feel. Um Right. For a lot it of It felt stuff. like it was like a movie of the week that you yeah. would see back in the 80s. Yeah. yeah Which is, I'm is... Not, not a diss, but it's just that's, the, I don't know, the vibe that, that I had, so. Sure, sure. Uh, and that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people, when they think of films of that era, they think of, like, Scream, you know, and, and but that film is, like, very modern, even today. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it well, well, a lot of other films, you know, the, are are what they are. They're they're dated for that time period. Um, and and Serpent's Lair, there's one that's a, probably almost the same yeah. time came out. It, it's very kind of Satanistic, witchcraftery type of. Yeah, movie. that's true. Oh, and what's the one with? Uh, wasn't Hugh Grant at the Lair? Uh, the Lair of the Layer, oh, the white worm, the white, white worm, worm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that's another one. That was a bizarro movie, though. That was <laughs> was its own thing. Yeah, it sure was. Um, now, um, 
the thing that's interesting about Kelly Preston was um, she had a a period there that she was a, a lead, um, you know, you know, a lister, and then she became more of a um, a supporting actress after a certain point, um, yeah. and uh, so so and even even if some of the, her best roles like Twins, she was a supporting actress as well. So Harry Maguire. She yeah, was amazing in Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire, yeah, 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 yeah. I think what it was, it was for Love of the Game, which was the, was the yeah, big film that, yeah. yeah, that she starred in, and everybody thought she was going to be really breakout then. But that film oddly bombed for some reason. And but didn't they also do Battlefield Earth after, which didn't help things? Yeah, and that didn't help either, that obviously. sucked. Um, I, I don't know if she was one of the leads in that, though, because I never bothered watching it. Um, but, yeah, for after for Love of the Game, that's when she kind of settled into a supporting actress after that. Um, and it is interesting, too, because, you know, we're talking about Jerry Maguire, which was only a few years earlier, and she was... A supporting actress in that. So and she's also in Dust Till Dawn, like we talked about. Yeah, a supporting actress in that. So um, I guess she had a, a, a long buildup of supporting roles, and then finally had the breakout to be a leading actress. And for a love of the game, and for some reason, uh, it just didn't hit off. And then she went back to being a supporting actress again after that. Um, now, obviously, um, she's probably most well known uh, for being um, really good looking, right? I mean, she has talent and all that. But what I mean is, she uh, had a, has a really big presence on screen, even in her supporting roles, because she's just a really good looking woman. And she played a lot of those roles, like Twins was an example of that. Uh, this film here, Spellbinder, is an example of that. Um, and she had a lot of exuberance. Like she really, she had a presence that you could not dismiss. It was there and you feel it when in the movie she's in. Well, I think, yeah, she had like very much had a good charisma. And I think it's like, even if she wasn't like super top a list actress, you still knew of her, right? Yeah. She was still a name yeah. you were aware of. So, I mean, that shows kind of what she had built her career to be as well. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, a lot of folks knew of her, too, because she was married to John Travolta, and John Travolta, uh, for a good 25 years, was an A-lister himself. And so anybody associated with him would get press. Um, but she had, had done enough that people knew who she was, and as as we mentioned, uh, she became a lead actress herself uh, in films as well. Um, so in this film here, she's pretty close to being a co-lead, um, uh, I would say. Oh yeah. Um, oh I mean, yeah. She's on, I think she's, <laughs> I mean, she's listed, I mean, she's the, on the poster. I mean, she's the one that's presented on the poster. Um, and she's in the film pretty much, uh, equally as Tim Daly, except for the last 15 or 18 minutes when it becomes a mystery where, uh, he becomes like a detective trying to find out where she went. Um, so yeah, this, this film prominently, uh, is her film, uh, among, I guess, Tim Daly as well. 
Um, what else we want to add about this film without spoilers or Kelly Preston or these type of films or 80 films that anybody wanted to bring up before, you know, we start getting into the film. As well, well, I was going to say about Tim Daly, it was interesting because I remember what, I don't know if you guys watched it back in 99, but uh, Storm of the Century, the Stephen King miniseries. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was that pretty he good. was in it. So I didn't it was, know that. Yeah, so it was funny that, like, because I'd watched that, I didn't, and as I said, I never knew about Spellbinder. So it was kind of funny that he had already dabbled into horror earlier in his career before he got big in wings and stuff, right? Yeah, see, I never seen wings, so I, I never really knew much about this guy. He was um, good in but, it, yeah. Yeah, that's where yeah. I knew him from was wings, so. Yeah. Um, Wings always felt like my parents' show, though, not mine. I don't know why. There's something about it that it was just not not for me somehow. I didn't watch many episodes of it. Yeah, it was it was a long running show, and it was really yeah. popular. Uh, and right after this film is when it started. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if if this helped uh, get him picked for that television series. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I want to say about this film is it could have degenerated into campiness if the acting wasn't so good. And I'm, I think all of the actors do a spectacular job in this film. Um, so I'm able to buy the story. Right. Yeah. I was also, Oh, sorry. Please continue. Oh, I was going to say, I was also happy to see the actor who played Lieutenant Lee. Because I always remember him as uh, Shang Tsung from Mortal, Ka- Mortal Kombat. Mm. And he's done a whole bunch of stuff. So it was like, I didn't realize he had started in the 80s. So it was fun to see him as well. Right, right. Yeah, Car- uh, his name is Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. And I didn't uh, want to mispronounce the name. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Phil did it right. <laughs> yeah, I think I well did. Well done. I, I did well, yeah. Yeah, he's a Japanese-born actor with citizenship in both America and Russia, which is kind of interesting. Hmm, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the story, um, it, it is an interesting story. Um, um, and it was right after the satanic panic um, mm-hmm. breakout, right? I mean, it, it was just wrapping up at this point, I would think, right? Yeah, because in the early 80s, you started getting the D&D craze people thinking that was Satanism. And then you started getting a lot of people, you know, saying that murders were from Satanism and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I remember some big cases of, uh, kids. Yeah. And also this was, you know, uh, the same period when, when, you know, uh, Ozzy Osbourne and Judas priest and all these other bands were there and satanic, you know, music and all that crap. So, yeah. so, it was definitely perfect for that time period, um, the film. And and the film also uh, dabbles in witch, witches as well and covens and stuff too. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anything else that we wanted to bring up uh, that's generic? I mean, we could do the setup of the beginning of the movie. Yeah, let's do that, and then we'll throw up the spoiler, and then we'll just talk about everything and anything. Um, so, yeah, go oh, ahead. Did we lose oh. Go ahead. Did you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, so, uh, Barrett, why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, give that setup? 
Yeah, so we have um, Jeff Mills, played by Tim Daly. Um, he is a lawyer. We kind of catch him, I believe, at the beginning in a basketball game, yep. um, just with some friends. And then with his friend, he heads. he's heading to the office. Um, I believe they they work that, that day, and then they go to – do they go to a bar? And he sees that when they leave the bar? Um. I don't know. I, to be honest, it doesn't really matter. But I, I felt, for some reason, I thought it was after the basketball game. But yeah, you're right. They went to a bar or something after the basketball game. Well, they went to they went to work. Then they went to a bar after work. It was just like minor yeah. part showing work. And then they went to the bar. Yeah, and a re- or a restaurant, whatever. Yeah, they might have been eating. It did seem like a restaurant. But yeah, so they're at this this restaurant, and he and his friend are leaving, and he hears a guy yelling at a woman and the guy backhands the woman and he and his friend get involved. And the guy that's with her, that hit her tells them they shouldn't get involved. They don't know who he is. He pulls out a knife. He cuts his friend. Um, and that's basically the basics of the movie. Uh, this woman, uh, Jeff gets very protective of, and he takes her home for the night. And that's where we start getting into spoilers. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll throw up the spoiler right now, and we'll discuss pretty much everything. Anything. Uh, the film, unfortunately, um, is only on Amazon Prime in the United States. Uh, we don't know where else you can find it. Uh, there is a Nowhere Blu-ray. else I could find. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a Blu-ray that's available uh, from Kino, Lorber, and I think scorpion releasing um so it's one of those mgm uh uh, archive type films that they release to smaller labels to re-release it uh similar to like screen factory or or you know one of those things so uh it's not a uh, a main mgm uh disc uh just for heads up um if you do have the disc it does have uh, a commentary um, and it also has uh, an interview as well on the disc. And so if you're a fan of the film, it may be worth uh, searching it out. Um, I bought it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I, I, that's how I watched it, as a matter of fact. Um, all right, so the spoiler alert is up, and we will talk about everything and anything related to the film. Uh, so, yeah, uh, let's talk about that setup again. So, um yeah, so it was pretty pretty shocking because you see this this guy fighting with this woman, and then he slugs her or slaps her hard against the face, and she flies on the ground. Um, and of course, you have the the two lawyers uh, freak out and they go running over um, to you know to basically uh, I, you know help help the woman. Um, and the guy. Um, threatens them but eventually he backs down and he leaves and uh the woman Miranda um goes with Jeff while Derek uh who had his hand cut with a knife because this guy pulled out a knife um goes home and so Miranda he was going to drive somewhere but she what was it? She said that she didn't have anywhere to go or something. Was yeah, she had was? nowhere. She had nowhere to go. Or wasn't she said she had a friend's place? Oh, that might be later. That was later. That's, yeah. yeah, that's later. So yeah, she's she has nowhere to go right then. So he right. takes her in. 
Yeah, yeah, he takes her in. And who wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. And 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 sure enough, I um she uh eventually they, he gets lucky pretty quick. But uh the thing that Not that night. Not that night. No, not that night. She uh, heals his back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Though though she strips and you know shows the, she does. the jump. She does, yeah. yeah. Um so basically he hurts his back during basketball and she says she can help. Uh so he's just assuming it's gonna be like a massage or something. And this is where we see, I guess, the first supernatural part of the film, right? Am I right? Yeah, and it, there's a little humor there, too, because as she strips down to her underwear, he's like, I'm feeling better now. <laughs> and then she climbs on his back and starts chanting, and yeah. that's the supernatural part of it. Right, right. I mean, he, he thinks it's just quaint that she's being silly. Right. Um, um, yeah, and then... His back actually feels better, and he turns around to say, "Oh my God, what did you do?" And then she just passes out uh, and falls asleep. Um, and we can assume, based off of that, um, like we see in a lot of films where magic occurs, when someone does magic, they get pooped and they just pass out from. Well, and I want to say that it did seem like orgasmic for the both of them while she was healing him, because they both were like, "Oh." And then that's when she feels pooped at the end, and he's like, whoa, what the heck was that? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, all right, so what, what do we want to talk about now? Um, because we, I know he has a dream, right, that he wakes up, and we think it's real, but and, and uh, her, the guy that abused her was, was hidden in the pantry and stabs him to death. And then, of course, he wakes up, and then he finds out that he was just dreaming. Because um, that was the guy who had threatened him too, right? At the, yeah, when he yeah. had taken her, he made the threat. So that was why it made the dream more or nightmare more potent then was because he had made the threat. I was going to, I'm going to get you kind of thing. Yeah. I felt I like confirm. the scene was not needed, uh, but it didn't detract from it either. Yeah. It was kind of superfluous. It, it's there. We don't know why he had that dream aside from being afraid, but it seemed really real for a dream. <laughs> right. Well, I, I know I, w- I was curious too. Was it supernatural or was it just him dreaming and why they put it in there? I mean, obviously it points us to think that this guy is going to be the antagonist and also leaves a, uh, I guess a layer of, of worry to us, the audience. Yeah. That there's this crazy guy out there that threatened him and bringing him back, even if it's in a dream, allows us to know that, okay, he's protecting this woman who was abused by this scumbag who you figure wants his quote unquote woman back. And so the film may go that route is so it could have been like a red herring or, or just to keep us on on nerve and and it's also a ramp- pretty, you know it's a horror film so you know get the cheap scare in there as well yeah so, ramp the tension I, up yeah. yeah i had another idea what i was thinking was that with what happened what we know happens at the end is that maybe he was gifted in some way and so the vision was a like was the dream was like, like a, a warning. vision warning and that's and then that explains us why 
what happens to him at the end happens because he had some kind of gift and that like makes what happens at the end more uh, required by them at the end or more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. He's more as opposed to just getting and just opposed to just getting a normie person, like getting someone who has a gift or something. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's possible. Um, They never come out and say that though, but they do, they do kind of like, so his secretary, you kind of get the feeling like maybe she has some supernatural sense. Yeah. Yeah. We we could talk about her too, because yeah, I mean, there's an interesting scene later at a house party and she doesn't uh, get unnerved after what she sees, meaning the, the secretary is she instead gets angry and stuff and uh we'll talk about that in a little bit as well um so um he goes to work and his friends at work are like think he's crazy because he lets them you're gonna lose all your stuff yeah and you know and, and that that is a valid point um i i you know, I, I don't know if I would have done that with uh, a first time bringing someone home type of thing, you know. I mean, yeah, if, it was, I if it was a girlfriend that I was dating for a few months or something, I would have cared less, obviously. Um, you know, it, it, even if she didn't live with me, I, I could just leave her in the house alone and head to work or whatever. But this is a stranger still, you know. And, yeah, so I think I think his friends were right on to think that. I agree. Actually. Yeah, I mean, he just met her the day before, or the night before. It hasn't even been 24 hours, and he's letting her stay at his house. I, I would be uncomfortable yeah. with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, if anything, I, I would wake her up, too, and say, all right, we got it's time to go or something. But, again, where is she going to go? But, again, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, she's still a stranger. So I have to say, though, if it was Kelly Preston, I, I would probably let her stay, too. Well... Well, hoping that, she'd be there when I came back and it wasn't all a dream. <laughs> well, well, that that that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, because Kelly Preston is, um, as as Billy Crystal says in uh, when Harry met Sally's, uh, when he says you're attractive and she says that's a matter of opinion. He goes, no, no, that's not a matter of opinion. So everybody can uh, admit that Kelly Preston is is you know you know not not that we want to um, uh, I guess um, look at women as objects or anything but I mean just attractiveness you know common sense you know she's a, she's a, what one would say is a ten she's like a supermodel she's she's incredible so um, I could yeah I see what you're saying I mean because it, and, and it. At first, you say, okay, this this is casting is okay. She's just a, uh, another really, really good looking actress playing a, a role of a regular person. But when you find out the ending, it makes sense that someone like her would be cast in this role. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want to get there yet. I mean, I guess we are we're already in spoiler territory, so we could talk about anything and everything. Well, let's just say, like, it's with the idea that you have, like, if it was, like, if you, and again, we have total respect for Kathy Bates, but if the person was Kathy Bates that he was saving, would he be throwing out the same 
opportunities right. to her. Exactly. <laughs> like, no disrespect, but... Let's put it this bit. way. She's bait. And she's, yes, the per- exactly. she's the perfect bait. Right. And you're yeah, playing that, on the naivete, yeah. naivete of someone, right? By yeah. having yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, if you're a single guy and a woman like Kelly Preston approaches you at, at a bar or a lounge or you rescue rescue in a, in a parking lot, um, she has um, – it's, it's like you said, Kathy Bates. Uh, it, it's, it's a completely different scenario, right? Right. I mean, yeah, I mean – She draws out the protectiveness – of his male nature. And I'm not saying that, you know, and I'm not trying to be misogynistic, but Man, that's, that's it, what she's intended to do. Right. Yeah, what, what, what times we live in, man, right. Where we have to be politically correct to the point of like <laughs> sounding ridiculous and, and adding a statement after not trying yeah. to be, you know, but that that's the point of the film. I mean, obviously she is bait. She's really good looking in real life. She's really good looking in the film he's a single guy and that's the big twist at the end, which is it was all planned this way. Um, again, if it was Kathy Bates, he wouldn't have fell in love with her. He wouldn't have. And again, it's like you said, Sean, you know, no disrespect to Kathy Bates, but again, based off of what the villains want to do in this film, they're going to try to use someone that is the likes of Kelly Preston. Well, let's put it this way. No other woman in this film is as attractive as she is, not only looks-wise, but personality-wise. Right, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, Chris Murr, and all, we already discussed Kelly Preston as an actress and a person on screen. She had a, a, a great charisma. So uh, it makes sense um, that she would stick out more than anybody else in this film of of the the double X chromosome type. To um, me, I felt like it could be like a con where you could do it anywhere in the world and you would just adjust to whatever the idealized version of that person is in the, the place that you're living. Yep. Yeah. That's how, that's, that's basically what it would be. Right. Yep. So and even their age. Cause yeah, you yep. know, depending on which gender you're going after and what age they are, it could make a difference in who you're using as your base. Right. The thing that I would say, though, that I was impressed with, with just the long game, but the fact, I mean, before we've been spoiler, ter- you know, spoiler stuff now, but the fact that the person was willing to sell out his friend, like, how long has he been friends with this person to right. sell hey. him out? <laughs> like, you have a practice and everything with this person, and yeah, and then just at the end, have absolutely no conscience about it. Well, and it's cool because. When you think it's the end, there's still a little bit more. There's and a still lot more, more there. Explained, like the secretary, <laughs> she's gone. <laughs> yeah, because she was being a little too inquisitive about where he might be now. <laughs> right. The other thing I was going to say about the secretary was that before we knew exactly where everything was going, I'm like, man, she's going to ruin his chances. Get him out. Get her out of there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, the secretary for a little bit because that's that's a really interesting scene, uh, and was the only, the first scene that makes one wonder. I, I think it's the one clue that makes one wonder if 
Kelly Preston's character is a, is an antagonist or villain or not. And the reason I say that is basically they, he has a house party and she – Show her like, off. Let's be clear on that. He's showing yes. her off. Yeah, yeah, I guess so because uh, they're dating now. I, again, I don't know how long this is since the first meeting. But either way, he invites all his friends and coworkers and all that over. It's a nice party. And she's host, you know, being the hostess as much as he's the host. And she's also doing the cooking too. And she, they make a turkey. And there's a scene where she picks the turkey out of the oven without pot holders. And so anybody else who does that, and I've done this unfortunately once, where I put my cast iron pan in the oven. Me too. Grabbed it. Yeah. You know, and then I just reach in and I grab the handle and I'm in the emergency room a half hour later. Um, So so for her to be able to grab the two sides of um, the container that holds the, the turkey in the oven without burning her hands is a sign that, okay, there's another supernatural aspect. And the secretary, um, she sees this, plus she's also felt he, she's moved in and, and become too much of a girlfriend too quickly. So she, meaning Grace, that's the, the secretary for Jeff, uh, our hero. And they have a strong relationship, he and his secretary. Yeah, they, they've been around for a long time. And, and it felt like trusts, she was a sister. He trusts her, yeah. She wasn't his sister, but she's close enough that he respects her opinion, like, really Yeah, strong. no, I know she, but it, she, like, it, it was like a sister relationship, you know, like the, yeah. the sister kind of taking care of him. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And so she confronts um, Miranda, which is the Kelly Preston character, and basically calls her out. In a very um, hostile way. I, it was yes, impressive. very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, 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 I thought it was ironic, was she didn't freak out when she saw Kelly Preston reach into the oven and not land up in an emergency room 30 minutes later like I did. So I always thought that was kind of odd. But you guys said earlier that maybe Grace has dabbled in supernatural elements and, and that's why she wasn't freaking out about it. It's very subtle. I just feel like she has some kind of supernatural gift of her own and she's probably lived with it her whole life. And so that's why she doesn't trust uh, Miranda. Yeah. Not only because she's moving in so fast, but because she gets this vibe from her that she doesn't like. Right. Still from Stephen King, it felt like the shiny. They have like a little bit of shining in their different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good way to put it. Um, the other thing it, that yeah, go on. Go on. the other thing that I thought was when I was a little uh, because again it was the time when uh, Kelly Preston's character is talking about the solstice being a yep. holy time and yep. like Grace's like look on her face of like that's very evil. So it was just you know when she kind of questions her about that too. About, yeah. you know, like, who is it holy to? And you could, like, so that was kind of an interesting that, like, there's more going on. Right, right. Yeah, because Grace wasn't, like, if it was me and I was talking to Miranda and she's talking about all this nonsense, 
I would just think she's some hippie chick, you know, or crunchy or something. But Grace is looking at Miranda as, like you said, uh, suspect. She's looking at Miranda as suspect. So she thinks there's something off, and it's not just her being a crunchy, hippie-type girl that likes talking about solstice and and whatever. Well, and it's interesting, too, because he comes into the office and asks her opinion, and she doesn't want to tell him because she knows her influence on him, and she knows how much he likes her. But he right. presses her, and she finally tells him that she does not trust her and that she's moving in too quickly, and he's moving too quickly. And finally, they agree to disagree and not talk about it anymore. And she didn't want to talk about it to begin with because she, the second they do that, she's just like, whatever, let's go on with the day. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it, well, Grace does bring up uh, the turkey thing too. Yeah, yeah. And 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 he thinks she's obviously Miss Saw or something, which makes sense because I, obviously I wouldn't believe it either, especially since <laughs> that happened to me and myself where I landed up in the room <laughs> thirty minutes later. But um, I mean, that's that's just impossible, you know, for someone to be able to do take a a hot thing out of the oven and not have at least uh, third degree burns, you know? So I figure um, Jeff, I, I think, I think Grace may have sabotaged her chance to influence Jeff to at least think it over by bringing up the Turkey scene thing. I agree. Yeah. 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 You know, because that immediately made Jeff go, okay, she's just being, a chalice or a chalice. Yeah, You're being nitpicky whatever. about things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I've got Kelly Preston. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, so let's talk about Mrs. White, who or Mrs. Roper for folks. Yes, Mrs. Roper from Three's <laughs> Company. Yeah. Um, she makes an appearance. Um at the end of the day uh, for a meeting and Jeff either had her on the list or, or forgot about it. And, and he was available and he, he tells um, the receptionist. Yeah. Yeah. Send her in. And Mrs. White basically threatens him and saying, we want Miranda back. And what, what did you guys get out of this? Cause at the end, it, I mean, I mean, if anything, this would make Jeff feel more worried that, okay, now there's, there's a, someone that looks fairly normal, and it's not just this guy with a knife and a, and a man bun that beat up Miranda. Now it's more people, and some of them are, look normal. Um, I think he would be getting more protective, and I think that's their intent. To make yes. him push him closer and closer to her until he is so close that he'll do anything for her. Interesting. And they do it very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's because a she's point. so threatening that you would not want to do what she said. She doesn't like leave it where there's, you know, we're good. Just bring her back. No, it's. We want her back. Yeah. And you're going to no get yours. <laughs> you're going to get yours if you keep and her. I'm gonna go, <laughs> and I'm going to go batshit crazy <laughs> just to show you. So, well, yeah. Well, well, there's an interesting thing about all that, too, is that um, 
there's scenes even before that that we didn't talk about where there's this strange guy that begins stalking. Um, yeah. Jeff, yep. And eventually he gets killed. Burned alive. Burned alive by the, these freaks, including um, uh, Miranda's uh, boyfriend that beat her up. So we know they have some supernatural powers at this point. Um, yeah, because he just combusts. There's no yes. combustible material on him. He just bursts into flames. Right, right, exactly. Um, so that was an interesting side story that didn't really go anywhere except the setup that these people were really I villainous, right? Because we don't really it, even know well, who I, he was. I think he was going to warn Jeff. And he just never got the opportunity to. And it could have been something that hit the cutting room floor that we didn't get to see. But I feel like that's yeah. what it was about. Somebody yeah, because I, him. at that point, I was wondering if it was one of two things. Well, actually, actually, at the end of the film, I, I was wondering if it was one of two things. But at that time, when it happened, before I, I found out the, the twist, I just figured it was a, a guy that was set up by Miranda. And he was there to warn Jeff, that it was a setup, you know. But as we find out later in the film, maybe he was part of this coven as well, and he was trying to get out of the coven and warn Jeff too. So, yep, I don't know. I don't know which he was. If he was, uh, I think he was both those. I think he was both those. He was in the cult trying to get out, and he was going to warn Jeff. And he had just been kind of hiding from them up until this point, and by making himself visible. They were able to find him and kill him. Gotcha. Yeah, because originally, though, I thought he was another Jeff that just got out <laughs> from under Miranda. And he was on the run and he was just going to want the next victim. But I think you're right. I think he was part of the cult. I don't know. What about you, Sean? What did you think? Yeah, I just the only thing I was thinking was his way of going about it. It's like where people make the decisions that you're not really sure about. <laughs> like maybe if he just come out instead of like doing the like stalking thing himself, that yep. like maybe it could have been different. Like maybe if he'd gone to his office in the daytime, yeah, as opposed to kind of his approach where like and I guess you can explain I guess some of it trying to keep in hiding, but I don't know. It like maybe he could have phoned him or something. Like if you, so it was just one of those. That actually like, would have been a good addition if we would have had phone calls from him going to Jeff and plus then the threatening phone calls that were coming to him, that would have added a nice dimension to it. If they had gone that route, but they didn't. They, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So we, we, we talked about the, uh, oh, wait, one yeah. one thing you were saying, he might have been someone that got away from Miranda. Well, that can't happen or she wouldn't. No. <laughs> she wouldn't be there. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone that has come has been has lost. So right. he wouldn't have been one of her conquests. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. So, so there, yeah. So it explains it only at, you kind of figure out who he is only after. The, the twist ending, I guess. Yeah. Um, so at this right. point, Jeff goes to the cops because he tells Miranda about Mrs. White and he tells her about um, getting the calls from that guy. And so she disappears. And so he's looking for her. And so he goes to the cops and he has a friend cop 
but he can't find him. He's not in or something. And so he talks, the, the cop that he's talking to says, you're in trouble. And so then he's like, what, what are you talking about? And he gets put in a room and then this, um, other cop shows up, um, Lieutenant Lee, wasn't it? Lieutenant Lee. And he starts talking about how they're part of some organization, some bad organization. And she's wearing a necklace that has the symbol of this organization on it. And then he shows them the body of the burned guy, the guy that got burned. Um, and he's like, there's been all other, all these other murders too. Um, so we know there's something going on. This cop knows something's going on. And it's a little bit uh, bigger than Jeff knows. The other thing that was weird in the, the, in the discussion he has with the first cop that he talks to, where the cop like talks about, like, why would we like waste our time like going miss for looking for a missing girlfriend? What <laughs> is that? Is that, that's the police force? You go to talk about someone's missing and they're just like, eh, they're missing. Eh, whatever. Don't waste well, your time. <laughs> to be honest, to be fair, and and that's a fair point, Sean. But to be fair, he did ask uh, Jeff to uh, fill out a missing persons report, and Jeff refused to. Yeah. So at that point, the cop says, "Well, what do you want me to do?" You know, I mean, he he may sound a little weird the way he put it, but I see I see his point. You know, so. If Jeff doesn't want to fill out a report that there's a missing person, then there's nothing they can do. <laughs> yeah, there is no missing person to the to the police. You know, right. I guess it was just the delivery of it was just like what? It was a little uh, odd, but that made me think that he's part of the group. <laughs> that was the other thing. That and like, and I yeah. think I I think you're right because <laughs> if you remember at the end scene, there's a number of cops that show up and they take off their uniforms, yeah, in the background, and and get into the ropes uh but we'll, we'll talk about that later so he could be or he could just be a, a crappy bureaucrat like you were implying uh sean <laughs> you know which is possible um so um let's talk about how then uh the chief or, or lieutenant or whatever he is i think he's the lieutenant um yeah lieutenant lee calls in jeff into his room uh, or office i should say to talk about the missing uh, Miranda, because even though he refused to fill out a report, he did hand the photo of Miranda to the cop that just laughed it off. But that cop saw something in the photo of interest for Lieutenant Lee. Um, and that, that was the the necklace, right? Yep. It was the necklace and the weird symbol, yeah. Right. So, so basically, what it is is that Lieutenant Lee talks about how there's been numerous murders um, throughout the the city in the past I don't know, year or so, um, and I'm assuming this is LA, but who knows? And um, they're all related to strange deaths. Um, there's the latest victim was a guy that just was burned to death, which is the guy we saw earlier, and he talks about that symbol uh, on the necklace. Um, and again, you know, we, we, we're not a visual podcast, but it's some triangle thing with like an arrow or something through it. Um, how did he, I forget from last night watching the film, how did he link 
these various murders to people or, or that symbol? Because it was on the burned body, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on the burned body. It's gotcha. been on the bodies every time he finds a body or is given a body to look into. Right, so the bodies are like marked with that symbol is what you're saying? Yeah. The sigil, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So that was interesting for Lee, Lieutenant Lee, because Miranda had that symbol and was wearing it around her neck, which immediately, if not makes her a suspect, at least is something of note. Um, because, you know, who knows? I mean, the necklace could be just, you know, something that you find at a, at the local video games, you know, you know, put a quarter in a thing and, and a little ball falls out, you open the ball and you can win a prize and it could be just something as stupid as that. But either way, it's something of interest for, um, Lee. And Jeff says that Miranda had told him that it was a family heirloom from her grandmother or something. Uh, and so Lee says, yeah, you know, keep in contact, uh, and whatnot. Um, and such. So what happens next? Uh, he finds Miranda again, right? Or, or Miranda shows up or what happens? I can't remember again. And believe it or not, I just watched this film last night. Um, anyone remember when Miranda returns and then Miranda discusses, uh, the devil worshipers and the, and the witches, right? And brings them to a, the house. I think it's at the house, and then they're talking about that he like wants them to go to a hotel or something, like so that they can hide away until the the because she's talking about the ritual, right? Yeah. Unless I'm skipping ahead, where she's talking about the ritual. So yeah, it's like, let's, let's get out of town. Yeah, let's get out of town so that we're not you're not here for the ritual, and then it'll be fine. Wait, and right. that's so when they get attacked. Yes, yeah, so there's there's a solstice, right? Or the and she yeah. says once that's gone. They won't I'm all good anymore, and yeah. we, we, we should be fine. So we should just get out of town. And she, and, you know, he doesn't believe this or whatever. So she brings him to this this mansion in like Beverly Hills or wherever the wealthy area of this city is. And he says it just looks like a normal house. And she goes, "Yeah, but that's where they have their rituals and all this other stuff." And my mother was married, and my, my father either moved, died or something. And so my mother um, started dating a guy or something like that. And it basically what happens was she befriended all these people, and they were, and she found out they were witches. And so my mother, being a lonely person, joined this witch coven cult. And uh, I was always there, you know, as a young girl. And then when I turned eighteen. Um, they made me a member. Um, and that's pretty much the story. And she claims that they chop off the hearts and he, she, he goes, yeah, okay. But, you know, so he's thinking like, you know, pigs or, or, or chickens or something, um, you know, animal sacrifice or whatever. And she goes, no, they, they kill people and they chop out their hearts. And he says, we should go to the cops. And, um, he, for some reason, doesn't think that's a wise move. I um, think she tells him that they could be anybody because there's all sorts of people that yeah. are part of this group. Right. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a good question. It's like how many people are really members of this group and how big could this group really be? It appears um, large. 
Yes. <laughs> right. Well, right. But but if you're a, a person that didn't know about the group until this random girl that you fall in love with says there's this group, how much would you believe it? Well, I don't think he's thinking logical. So, and it's not a logical yeah. situation. So I think it, at this point you're seeing crazy stuff happening. She's telling you this stuff. Like, I don't think you're sitting there. No, I don't really trust you. Like you've already like so, you know, gone in for it. So right. you're just, whatever information she's telling you, you're, you're taking it at face value. And right. If he was really how... thinking logically, he would have driven them both out of town after that mansion and just left town. Yeah. Yeah. Automatically. But right. he's not. So he's going to go get clothes and everything else. And then he lets right. his dog out. I was so mad that, cause I thought for sure they were going to torture the dog, but then yeah. it, then it's, then it realized that no, the dog was smart. He was just getting out of the, the situation. Cause they're yeah, getting out dumb. of town. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this about, 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 so, about Jeff. Let me ask you this about Jeff. Um, well, all right. Let's say Miranda is legit and she says all this stuff and had the weird childhood she had. We would think, I would think that she's obviously is damaged, like inner demons or, 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 and, and no pun intended there, um, or personal demons or something. And Jeff is either just crazy in love with her because you know she's really good looking woman, the sex is good and whatever or it is uh that syndrome there where you want to help somebody what's that called does anybody know the, the term for that i forget what it's called protector syndrome isn't it something like that yeah something like that i would um, just say that the the fact is you have you have love slash lust and when yeah. you're in love slash lust, you're not using yeah. logic, right? You're feeling things. So, right. I like. I think. Well, the reason I'm I'm saying otherwise though is that I've 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 I I dated one girl once that um uh, eventually broke up with, and she said to me once that the reason we broke up was because I wasn't damaged enough. I was too normal, and she always looked for damaged people to date. Because she needed to, quote unquote, help them. And she used a term. The savior complex? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Thank you. Well done, Barrett. Yeah. So she had a savior complex. And I was wondering if it was what you said, Sean, which is it's lust and love and a combination of the two. Or was it a savior complex on top of lust and love? I think it's, I think it's all, all of those. those. I think it's all, all of those. those. Yeah. Yeah. So it also yeah. plays to the ego too, right? Like he's he, that that yeah. aspect. And he seems to be like he's a lawyer, right? So most lawyers have ego, right, to be successful. So it just it's like all these little aspects that all put together, like are perfect, right, for using him and playing him and manipulating him and the stuff, right? Yeah, they picked the perfect victims. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. So they the house gets attacked that night, and there's, like, scores of people outside staring in at them. And there's all sorts of supernatural stuff happening. And they finally make it through the night, and they wake up, and there's furniture floating in the air still. There's <laughs> chaos throughout the house. It's just – it's weird. And so then he takes them to that former client who is a, a 
prepper survivalist and yeah, puts her, he puts her in the, the bunker with Brock to protect her while he goes out to confront. That was a great idea on his part. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, but he brought his, he brought his best friend with him too, right? Yeah, it, it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, if you're really in dealing with an organization like that, that's the point where you're like, let's get out. Let's not go to the mansion because I don't know what negotiations you're going to make to something. If they're really that, like if their tendrils are all over the place, I'm not sure going to threaten them at their home base is like the best move. But, but like you say, Barrett, he brought his friend, which was a great choice. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Let's let's uh, talk about this. So, so once the witches show up and they blow out the windows and they bend the glass for the for the, for a 1988 film, the special effects for this film are pretty damn good. Yeah, that, um, screen, that looked really cool when the windows were bending. Right. Yeah, and, and then he had a uh, uh, a vision of his car floating once and going on fire and stuff. That that was kind of cool, too. So the special effects are pretty awesome. Um, but once that happened, I would say, all right. We, well, well, I've always said this when, when we've talked in other movie reviews. If I'm living in the real world where I don't believe in Supernatural at all, and I suddenly see Supernatural, I would probably have a nervous breakdown because my my reality has now changed to the point of it's unbelievable. And and so I would be like, am I hallucinating? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would be I would be in a straight jacket and 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 put away forever because I I just couldn't handle it because now everything that I thought was the truth is not true anymore because there is supernatural. Hey, um, can we can we take a five minute break? Yeah, sure. All right, so. Um, yeah, so I, I I don't know what I would have done. The moment that I found out the Satanists or Coven and magic is real, I, I, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I definitely wouldn't be like Jeff, that's for sure. <laughs> I would have tried to find a, a, a good witch or someone who practices good magic. He if already ignored her, one. his secretary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he decides to bring her to uh, Miranda to one of his clients. Um, right. Uh, the, the big biker guy. Brock. Yep. Brock. And that doesn't go well yeah. for him. <laughs> yeah. But we'll talk about that in a little bit because there's some other scenes that are interesting too. Um, so he, he drops Miranda off there. Um, but then Mrs. White returns. And that scene, this scene was awesome. I think this, this was my favorite scene of the film, I think, because <laughs> what she does was, was so well done. I mean, and his career was done after that. And it reminded this was, me of this was 20, 22, which is what we're, oh, for folks who are curious, we were recording this on January 2nd, 2022, the first podcast of the Dr. Discussions New Year. Um, but the, if this was 2022, his career would have been over after this. It reminded me of Fight Club. <laughs> yes, very himself, much like Fight Club. He does, and this is long before Fight Club, but um, 
Yeah, she's she scratches her face and then starts throwing stuff everywhere, messes her hair up, and she starts screaming and yelling like a crazy person, but like she's getting hurt. And then she comes running out looking totally disheveled, and he comes chasing after her, and he's like a total dick. And then he threats and stuff. And yeah, he's making threats at her. She, she pulls this off perfect because he's chasing her down to the elevator even, and she's like, oh, oh, oh. In front, in front of everybody at work. Yeah, they're all watching, including his boss. And yeah. one of the women's like, "What are you doing? Are you crazy?" <laughs> it's a great scene. It was the best scene of the film. I all, think. Uh, ahead, all I was waiting for was something to do with the, the like the report after the fact. He always seemed like such a nice guy. Something just <laughs> right, happened. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Right. So, but it, it, she comes in. So she, it, you know, he lets her in the office again, and he goes, "Okay, so you're here to threaten me again?" And she goes, "No. I, like I told you last time, um, that we only offer him one, uh, you know, chance, and you already blew that." And so he just starts yelling at her, whatever. So she pulls off this thing where she cuts her face with her fingernails and settles her hair and starts throwing stuff. And like we said, you know, what she does runs out, but. Yeah, and he's he's so clueless, right? I mean, he, <laughs> he's like, what the he's hell? Like, I didn't do anything. Oh my god, what, I did, did. She's going insane. But instead, he's chasing her, saying, "You stay away from her." Oh, and he, he grabs her on the on the shoulders and starts shaking her, and, and and everybody's like, "Oh my god, he's an abuser! Look what he's doing." This poor woman. <laughs> you know, I, I would if if this. If this film really wanted to go for it, they could have said, pull, you know, had the security guard come, uh, ma'am, do you want to file a police report? Do you want this man arrested? Yeah. But they didn't go there. But I wish yeah, they, they just kind of let it go. Yeah, they could have really played that up really well. But just the scene alone was so great that it was it was an awesome scene because it oh, kind of yeah. gives you uh, an, a look into what they're going to do to him if he doesn't step in the line. But they also don't want police involvement. Right. So there's a reason she never gets security involved or anything. She just makes him look bad. So then people are going to have that as their last memory of him. Exactly. Like right. the, the mind games that they're playing are like epic at this stage. Like they're like, he never had a chance. That's basically no, what it is. No, no yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and he, um, I think I think you may be right, Sean. Uh, the the love and lust that he has for this woman, Miranda, uh, has has made him has sunk him. Really, I mean, yeah. You know, he he's not acting like what we assumed he probably acted before he met her. You know, he's he's acting irrational now. He's he's getting more angry. He's he's trying to become, um, you know, the prince. And, you know the, the armor and all that crap um and instead of just saying what, what am i doing there's some crazy people after me this girl is is involved with all of them she knows about murders i she, I, I gotta get out of this you know and and but he refuses to do so he instead says i'm gonna save her you're my love um, and I think that's where they totally play on his ego, right? Is that yeah. he's he's so cocky and confident in himself that he doesn't consider that like he's way out of his league and he has no chance. And even till the end, he still thinks he's like he's got a chance. 
And it's not, it's only at the real end where he finally realizes like you have, like I've been totally played. And that's what I think was great. Like the way that they, they play him and play to, to his, what he considers his strengths, which are really his weaknesses is a really good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. That's a really good point. Uh, Sean, that, that he is as an ego and, 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 I, I didn't really think of that, but you're absolutely right. Because I was just looking at him when I first met him. You know, you know, just another nice guy. He's going to be the nice guy, but he's he is more than just a nice guy. He's 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 like trying to be an alpha, and he's trying to be, uh, you know, you know, he he has an ego. He's living. I mean, he talks about how he's never been in love before. I mean, who knows? He's probably just you know could have been a womanizer. So yeah, so he has. I think. I think he was a very flawed person after all. It didn't occur to me until now, you know, I, for some reason I thought that he wasn't flawed, but yeah, he is flawed. Yeah. How about that? And it's funny because it's his very strengths that make him flawed. Like exactly. he's a good, he's a good attorney and he fights for people that deserve it. But that also makes him blind to him being tricked and right right yeah yeah because he i mean he is a defense attorney right right all right and and you know i mean okay there's a lot of people that need his help but we also know that a lot of people that need defense attorneys are evil and want to get out of things too yeah they're Uh, not all innocent people (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly and so it's like it's playing on that aspect of being that attorney who never loses, kind of like you get the vibe, or at least that's the vibe I got from him was he he never loses, and that whether it's technicalities or whatever, he's going to win. And it's that same approach that he takes in this regard, which exactly is what they use against him, right? And like totally like break him down. Yeah, that uh, that's a fair point. Yeah, so he's a he's a hugely flawed character, and um. He's not dirty by any means, but he definitely has things that make him um, a perfect target for these these folk. You know what it made me think of is uh, the the Devil's Own. Devil's Own. Was that no, the no, one not, was... not Devil's Own. The Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate. Devil's Advocate. Yeah. I'm mixing up. Yeah. Devil's Advocate. When just how at the end, Al Pacino's Devils, you know, talking about playing to that. You know, we can yep. do it one way. We can do it another way. Either way, we're going to still win, right? Yeah. And it's like yeah. the same idea of like playing on the lawyer, right? The the cockiness, right. the ego, all that kind of stuff. Right, right. And and that's, that's a perfect example of a film, too. That's uh, um, another devil slash film. That which we, is a great we, one. Which yeah. is a great one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's a perfect, perfect thing. Now, now let's talk about... Um, um, I guess he goes to see Miranda at Brock's place, and that whole building's destroyed. <laughs> uh, similar to what happened to his apartment when they broke his window and bent his window. Here, it's it's not just windows, but it's um, cinder blocks and uh, re- rebar and all this other stuff that's just blown out and his friend Brock is is I believe is dead right 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's he's dying. Oh, he's messed. He's messed <laughs> up. Dude. He's messed yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. He is definitely dying. Yeah, which, so, which, so. Which, which again comes to the point like you see what they've done to your house, you've sort of seen what they've done to this guy's place. Like maybe it's time to to walk away. Because yeah. you ha- are not going to stop this. Right. Yeah, because at this point, he could have just walked, right? He could have just walked. I, basically, the interesting thing about these, this character, Jeff, is he creates his own demise. Yes. Because at any time, he could have walked away. They never really... I mean, it's they, specific you know, they, harm they, to him, right? Yeah, they they, right, just... right. They did things that would make him do stupid things, but if he didn't do those stupid things, he would have been fine, <laughs> and they wouldn't have kept on coming. Yeah, you're right. And and yeah, that's what they want, though. They want him to make the choice, right? Basically, yeah, yeah. And that is interesting, yeah, because even when Mrs. White shows up and pulls that thing, um. Again, um, it wasn't like they went to him to burn his head, you know, like they did to that other guy. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it is curious. He's, he does it to himself. He does it to himself. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, all right. So with that, this is when he goes on his rampage, right? He does his, yeah. his Rambo routine. <laughs> So uh, let's talk about that. That's one of the weirdest scenes in the whole movie is in this portion. And ninja it's the, girl. the ninja, ninja girl. girl. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so he went to um, that mansion, right? Is that where he went? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That, that she showed him earlier. So uh, he just walks into the house and starts searching. And the, and, the, 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 and, and the guy shows up and comes, sees him there and goes, why are you in my house? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was going to go that. That would have been awesome, where they either would let him go or call the cops on him. But they betray themselves because the wife is wearing um, one of those symbols. Yep. And so that's when he knows, okay, they are the devil worshippers. This is the group. And so, he starts trying to break into a locked door. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then there's and he comes acro- and comes across the ninja girl, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they no, no. fight. They have a weird fight, and she gets thrown <laughs> off the stairs and either unconscious or dead. I'm not sure which, but yeah, she's she's dressed. She's she's working out like she's doing karate stuff, and it's just a weird scene. We don't know why she's there, what she has to do with anything, but well, basically kills her. Well, we can say that she's. A devil worshiper, probably, right? Probably, but, yeah, because she's in that place. <laughs> right. Doesn't she have but, a poster on her door or something that was like the symbol, the pentagram and something? I think so, of, yeah. So yeah. It was just funny when he was like peeking in the door, <laughs> in the rooms. <laughs> yeah, so, so who who she was, I, I mean, was she just part of the, the cult or was she actually related to the owners of the property? We don't know. Um, but either way, she's going to stop him from uh, his mission. Um, But the question is, based off of what happens by the end of the film, was she purposely going to try to take him out or not? No, I think she was just probably going to try and incapacitate him or make him leave. Yeah, exactly. Just get him out. (laughs) Right, right, right. Because the, the wife or whatever, the one with the symbol, she's, she doesn't want the police involved. 
um, when the guy is saying, let's call the police. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, so after he breaks into the room, because these elder, older couple isn't going to be able to stop him, um, he sees the pentagram on the ground and all the devil worship and stuff. So um, his next goal is to head to that beach, right? Where Because she said that they were going to do the – on the solstice, was going to be on the beach. Yeah, and he gets uh, his friend. <laughs> yeah, well, this is this, this this shows you how dated the film is. Is because when he walks out, his Spitfire car that's already is on fire. fire. Yeah, <laughs> so, blown up. <laughs> but the thing that makes it, you know, it's it's an '80s film is because he doesn't have a cell phone and he and he can't call an Uber. Yeah, so he has, <laughs> yeah. he has to walk, uh, run and walk. I don't know. I don't know if it was my uh, viewing of the thing but it did like when he ran his arms don't move i don't did anyone notice that it must have been your viewing of it, it. Just, i don't remember i don't remember it was yeah. very weird it just was like very weird it's like you know if you see someone running usually their, their arms are moving and it just like seemed like his right. arms were just like static i don't know it was so that, that is interesting yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so he gets his friend which is he doesn't uh, have a car anymore. <laughs> yeah, he has no yeah. car anymore. So he gets Derek, who's the guy that saved Miranda with him at the beginning of the film, um, to help him. Right. Yep. All right. So, so is this the, this the, now the big climax at this point, or is there any yes, other scenes in going between? To it. We're going right to the climax. No, yep. We're going yeah. straight to it now. Right. Right. So, um, for folks who are listening, yeah. So we're, we're trying to not do beat for beat. You know, because it's like, why just rehash a film when you can just watch it? Um, right. But that's, but that's why we're we're trying to talk about you know motivation, and um, you know we threw I threw out the savior complex, and and then we discussed um, various other things um, because that's again what, what we're trying to do is um, figure out the the meaning of what this filmmaker or the, or the screenwriter were trying to do and stuff, you know, so, you know, try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. Um, the one thing that I was hoping was that when Derek came to pick him up, like yep. knowing what happens, I wish they had had him playing highway to hell by ACDC. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been too on point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing, this film did have, you knew it was MGM because of the line, but it makes sense that it had money behind it because they were able to use George Harrison's music. Yeah. In yeah. This, in Look, this so the movie budget yeah. was $6 million. Yeah. So that's pretty good um, for a horror film, especially in, in 1988. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it only made $635,000, I think. Yeah. So, I wonder how much it is made right. after that though. Now. After that. Yeah. 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 I mean, if it was, it, it was only going to make that much anyway, if it was going to, like you said, Sean, a limited release. Yeah. Um, limited for sure. Yeah. So that, that would cause that for sure. Um, like here's an example, uh, eight years later, the film scream, uh, by Wes Craven. Um, probably my second favorite horror film of all time, uh, at a budget of, of 14 or $15 million. So what's your first start? The, um, I think Scream might be my favorite. I'm not sure. Gotcha. I'm not yeah. sure what's number one right now. Uh, gotcha, probably gotcha. Midsummer <laughs> is number gotcha. one. Right, I think mine is probably Alien. I'll yeah. go with the John Carpenter's thing. 
was one of yeah, them. That's, that's a good one, too. So many good ones. The Lost Boy. You know what? My, 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 my new... My n- newer film, you know, you said Midsummer, but my newer film, even though now it's kind of old, uh, that is probably my favorite is It Follows. That's a great mm. film. Love that film. That's great, too. Um, but either way, uh, yeah, so only eight years later, Scream had a budget of $14, 15000000 million. Scream came out in 96? Yeah, 96. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm feeling so yeah. old right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, saw, I saw that film on its second run because uh, after it did so well, they brought it back like three months later to to reshow it. And um, I saw that with Margie Noel. First date with her. Oh, wow. <laughs> I actually went to see it by myself. I saw it. I loved it so much. I took a bunch of friends to see it a second time. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that, was a, that was a great film. Awesome film. Um, so uh, back to this film here. Um, so, yeah, so it had money, obviously, because they, they were able to get George Harrison's song. There's no way they would have. And, and it was Devil's Radio. You see that? that was, it was. Yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, and it was actually integrated into the movie because she it was the song that popped up when the alarm goes off and she says, oh, leave yeah. it on. I like this song. So yep. it wasn't just like music playing in the background. Um, so I guess we could get into the, the final stuff here. Uh, what do we want to talk about here? Uh, well, it's interesting because so they drive up near where the, the place is supposed to be. They're looking around for it, but they figure they got to walk up onto the beach. But he goes without the friend. The, yep, looking the himself because he tells his friend to go get the police, right? Yeah, right, right. So he goes running. He finally finds that cave that takes him into the alcove or wherever they are, and there's a huge did, amount of people. My question is, how did he expect to stop them? What weapons did he have? I don't remember him having. He had, he had no weapons. Again, you're at that point of ego. He thinks just, he can just stop it and pull her out. Which is just like that's what. Yeah, that's. Great. Great. I'll talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. <laughs> Don't listen to me. I have good arguments. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just seems like if that's the thing, it's like if he even if he'd gone at least with like a gun or something, at least you could say, Okay, well I can see why you split up and I you could maybe think that you could do something, but I'm like, you split up, you have no weapons. What what do you do? Like just he's out, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. He's crazy. And then when you see all those people, <laughs> it's like I, I'm outnumbered. Um, and, and and this is again 1988, so there's no cell phones, so it's not like like he could just dial 911 or or, or the local cops <laughs> or something, right? So it's like, what do you do? He didn't think this through at all. Ego is not your amigo, my friend. <laughs> no. Yeah. Sorry, that's a movie line. That's a great one. <laughs> what movie is that from? Uh, I think it's. Is it? Uh, it's got uh, Mark Wahlberg in it. He's the one that says the line. It's a more recent movie uh, where they're going like a certain number of miles. It's named after the number of miles. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I'm not, yeah, I don't know. Oh, well, no, no, no. But it's yeah, perfectly it's, applicable to this perfectly character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, but either way, um, yeah, so he's 
a fool. Yes. <laughs> he <laughs> is totally thinking with the wrong brain. Oh, mile 22. That's it, mile 22. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, Great so movie. he's saying... Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's completely insane. Um, and this is at this point, I'm thinking, oh my god, they're going to sacrifice Miranda, like she said, they're going to rip out her heart, and and they're psychos. Now, um, but there's a big twist. Yeah. A lot of a lot of twists, actually. Yes. <laughs> and when you first see this. The movie is still good. There are some movies where once you know the twist, there's no point in watching it again. But this one, yeah. I think, is a decent movie to watch again, even though I knew the twist. Right. Right. Well, it, and, you know, it, it is kind of cool because, first of all, the twist happens so late in the film. So it's one of those films, and not to, not to try to say it's it's even close to being as good as, we'll say, a Sixth Sense or something like that. But it has enough things that you could rewatch and mm-hmm. try to f- and see if the twist was given away like the sixth sense was if you if you rewatch you could see if you yeah you know what i'm saying and there are little things like when she when they're in bed together and he goes to sleep and she gives him this look she's kind of looking at him and it's kind of hmm that seems it's a little suspicious very predatory look yes yeah so there's there's little very tiny clues, and then of course, you know, the secretary not liking her and stuff like that. So right. all of that combined kind of kind of leads you along that path, but you don't want to believe it either. You're with right. the character. You're like, well, she's awesome. I don't want to believe that she's bad. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and and to be honest, most films you you would think wouldn't go that route, and the twist making her bad. Exactly. Well, it was like the fun, I don't know, like watching the like the usual suspects and getting the the, the surprise twist at the end with Kaiser Sose and just like Yeah, yeah. That was and, like it was fun. And that and nothing was, in the movie actually happened, it's just a story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some people get mad at that though, you know? I mean some people do not like twists where it's like, I just watched a whole movie that didn't actually happen at all. It was all just being told as a tale. Right, but uh, and this one here, um, like well, I forget what movie it was. Some movie that was watched recently, and I was discussing it with somebody, and or, or I read a review about it, and it talked about how it it failed to make the money people thought because it went dark at the end, and most people would say, you know that that would be a, a thing that you know the the production company or 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 the the release company would say yeah you have to change the end because we, we can't have that exactly studio the interference yeah the studio interference and then the hollywood the typical hollywood ending where everybody yeah. ends up with the the happy and it's like i'm glad that it was like no this is like nope you know, that like, might have been why it got limited release, because back which, then, there were yeah. not a lot of movies with a dark <laughs> ending like this. Exactly. Right. right. Especially uh, for a film that wasn't a slasher. You know? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And, and especially for a film that was a uh, owned by a, a, a studio like MGM. Right. You know? Yeah. So I guess we can discuss what happens. Um, and, and there's a lot of twists out of Lake Shark, because, <laughs> yeah. I mean... 
not only is Kelly Preston's character a villain, but our our hero actually has his heart ripped out, and <laughs> all the people that were right were also killed as well, meaning Grace. Grace, yeah. Well, and the his, cop his, uh, well, that's true. That's true. But, he's but, still but, investigating, but you think yeah, that he's yeah. probably going to die soon too. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and then, and then, our hero's best friend is also part of the. A, a he's the one that cuts his heart out. It was yeah, like exactly. this task. Yes. Wow. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. even the, the task of the greasy guy, where you're like, okay, I know he's going to come up and cut his heart out. No, it's his friend in the, in the regalia. Comes right. up with a knife. <laughs> exactly. And then you got, and you and just, but he did get to die happy, sort of. He got to have that da- dance that uh, Kelly gave him, right? Yeah, that Which, 30 second dance. <laughs> that's the look on her, like the, the facial she gave for that was like, I give her credit because, man, she was creepy. Beautiful, yeah. but creepy. Like, okay. Right, right. Yeah, well, she, that's she, where she, you learn this happens every year. And, she, and you're like, she, you you didn't fail me. I get to live another year. Thank you. So you, I, the thing, my question was because it doesn't. At least I don't think it was said in the movie. How many years do you think they've been doing this? Like decades. That's my guess. women probably, but with her for a while probably. Yeah, you don't know. They don't really talk about how many, but it seems like a lot. Because at least assuming that Kelly Preston's character Miranda is telling the truth, because again she's all lies so who knows but right. she said she was she was 10 years old and she's now what 22 probably or 24 in this film so 14 years maybe if she's telling the truth at least you know but, but i was wondering though if it gives them immortality oh doing the ritual so in that sense well i was wondering how um, many no, i don't think so doing it i thought it was just them praising satan and it had nothing to do with well, they maybe got worldly power or something, you know, not like living forever, but they obviously, you know, had the keys to power and stuff like that. They had all sorts of people in police and government. And right. Pretty right. much everybody assume, he knew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I seem like the power and the wealth came with the like maybe getting maybe not immortality per se, but getting to live longer than you should at a younger age kind of thing. Did, I don't did, know. Did, did, they, did they talk about that in the film? Well, that's what they, that's just what I was guessing is gotcha, that's gotcha. what I was thinking. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, there is supernatural in the film. It's not just crazies like in midsummer that right. are just yeah. killing people because they're crazies. Um, so it was legit access to is, magic, right? There is. So, yeah. So yeah, 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 but, uh, back, I mean, <laughs> so, Right, right, yeah, so, and they and they burn a guy alive, right, with magic, and nope. and they he lifts the car and blows up all the tires. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but that that was a vision. That was a vision. No, I thought that but was even, real. No, because you remember he wakes, it, the vision stops, and he's in his car with the windshield still there. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the fact that they able to do that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah the visions, you mean? Yeah, like the, the, any of that kind of stuff like that yeah. to me means like who knows just where their magic's like what the limits of their magic is and that's right. what I was thinking is that right. it was like not only like an ode to their master but I thought it was also like a oh, so they get rejuvenation back. Yeah, yeah rejuvenation right. ceremony right. for them yeah. so that's why I was well, wondering was like how long they've done it so well it, it never never is 
explain Absolutely. whether or not it, yeah there is no answer whether or not they're just doing it for you know hail satan or if they're doing it for rewards or if they're doing it for both but the one thing we can say is they're at least doing it for hail satan yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. And well, I just killing, added the other stuff. <laughs> killing him seems like his friend's reward, too. <laughs> you I mean, he's a friend. <laughs> yeah. I know it. <laughs> right, but, but what, what, what's his, his reward is is respect or leadership in the community, maybe, right? Because right. Because yep. they don't show him have any special powers or anything. No. Recruit, you know. um, but, yeah, they, they – yeah, so when – Grace is at the is dead. We're at it, we cut after he's dead. We're assuming we're at his funeral. Um, but we're no, not. no, it's not his funeral. It's, Grace, it's, it's Grace's because he's disappeared. It's Grace's funeral. Yeah, Grace's yeah. funeral. Yeah. So what happens is Grace died in a car accident, supposedly, and possibly yeah. dr- drunk driving, supposedly. But we know at this point it was most <laughs> likely a, a setup, and she was killed by the demon devil worshipers and so the cop talks to um our best friend here um and his name once again is uh Derek, uh, Derek thank you um Derek. saying you know what's going on you know basically asking questions he thinks he has suspicions and Derek says yeah uh, Miranda and Jeff ran away to Mexico um <laughs> and he's like why would they just disappear like well you know the young lovers are crazy you know whatever and, but I'll let him know that you're looking for him. And he goes, how will you if you don't know exactly where he is and you don't have communications? He goes, oh, they'll, they'll be back sooner. Or later. <laughs> you would think. I mean, and he goes, you know, and I forget. I think he says, how would you know? He goes, well, why wouldn't they or something like that? And then then we find out that it's Grace's funeral. And so we everything's tied up where basically the the only thing that isn't tied up is Miranda because – Miranda is still Miranda, and she's still in L.A., right? Well, it gets tied. Yeah, it gets tied up at the end because she. I mean, yeah, I mean, she's she's there for the next victim. She's the next one. Yeah, but, but that's what I, I mean. So if Lee, Lieutenant Lee, or any of the cops see her, she they, could just say that she didn't go with him. He went by himself. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah, that's true. Okay, or something. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, they, they I thought was, that. I, I also thought Derek's delivery of the information was just like he's like sociopath. Yeah, oh, no, just no. Yeah. he's yeah. just whoa. Right. Well, and he and you could tell he was being a dink and a little suspicious too, and a sociopath, and perfect because he's like clueless. He doesn't even know he's a sociopath because he goes, Grace was a drinker, and and then the police goes, Yeah, there was some alcohol in her blood. It doesn't surprise you know. Instead of saying, "Oh, that's terrible," like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he's like going, "Ha ha, I'm glad she's dead" or something, which isn't true. I think part and, of it is they're getting comfortable with what they can get away with, and so he's oh like, yeah, whatever. Screw this right. cop. We'll kill him if he gets in our way. Yeah, basically. right, right. Yeah, and and one of the scary things about that last scene during the the satanic ritual was, like I said, there's a bunch of cops that show up. Mm-hmm. And they 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 take off their clothes and put on the robes, and it was like holy shit, they're Satanists too. So they're inf- infiltrated the cops, you know. So mm-hmm. so yeah, that's uh, yeah. So Lee ain't gonna find nothing. 
No. And if, if anything, he's going to have an accident too. Right. Yes. The closer he gets, the closer he gets to an accident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the last scene, it's like, no way they actually are going there too. <laughs> so it's another, like they're going there. And, and it's his client too. It was just clients. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So, so like Derek is like set up to practice just to like yeah. fuel it with the, <laughs> to, to find Ugh. victims for the to, for their their hearts to be chopped out. Um, so basically, what happens is it starts all over again. Uh, the the bun guy, they got the the hair bun and the knife from the beginning, and Miranda are out in the parking lot again, looking even they, hotter. Yeah, looking even hotter. <laughs> um, that blue outfit, woo. And, hey, those, and, those rituals help. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And then the same thing happens exactly again, which is uh, Derek and the bun guy and Miranda are setting up this person. In this case, it's a client instead of a partner to save her, where then she is going to do the same thing to him. And uh, yeah, and then they're going to chop out his heart, probably. Um and that's pretty much where the film ends. And it's like, I, I just couldn't believe they went there. All those things that, that happened. I was like, oh my God, they, they, they kill our hero and he had, and not just kill him, but they, they take out his heart. The, his best friend murders him. Uh, they killed Grace because she knew too much. They turned, Miranda was bait the entire time and was evil. And they they plan to do it a second time. It's like, oh my gosh, I was. Shocked. You know, she really gives no impression throughout the movie, except for that one look I'm talking. I talked about earlier yeah. that she is possibly bad. Like no, you get a sense from her that she's truly scared. Right. She's truly afraid of these people. It's it's she plays that act so well. Right. And at the very end, when she's like, "Oh, thank you for coming here." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, she, to be honest, uh, you know, Kelly Preston in this role was fabulously cast because they d- definitely needed a sex pot or, or a really, really good-looking woman, and she is because they need because as we find out, she was bait to you know uh, rope these guys in, and if you're you're attractive, hot woman, that's exactly what's going to happen. And the second thing is too, is I never saw the twist coming. Even though I knew she was in with the group, like you said, Barrett, she was playing it. Like she was scared of the people. She wanted to get out of here. She she was the one that even suggested what's leaves the city, you know? And so it's like, I would have never guessed that she was part of the villainy. And the same with the friend too, because he really seemed like a good friend. All yeah. until you see him standing there in the regalia and the knife. And you're right. like, holy crap. Yeah. I, yeah he was betrayed from the very start. He had no chance whatsoever. Right. If you ever needed a poker team, get them. Because <laughs> right. 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 yeah. they could bluff the crap out of you. Right. Well, and, and it was kind of interesting where he – at the beginning, we find out he didn't have an ex-girlfriend or, or one that, you know, except for maybe one-nighters or what or short-term stuff. In other words, he'd never had a, a long-term girlfriend that he broke the heart of or she broke the heart of him. So it was almost like they perfectly chose him because they knew they could get – it wasn't like he was going to say at any point, 
like I'll just go back with my ex girlfriend or or the girl that I'm in other words, or if he had a friend that was a girl that kind of liked him, and he could have just hooked up with her and forgot about Miranda. But the film didn't have that. It had this guy that it was just Miranda and nothing else. Yeah, he well, was totally devoted me. to his work. <laughs> well, that's what impressed me, though, about the long game of his friend, though, right? Because we don't know exactly how long they've been friends. But, like, this yeah. has to have been in the office for a while, right? Right. For him right. To, like, he's on a list. Like, <laughs> okay, year five, he's going to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's too funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I want, and also when when she says all those things, like when she could read his mind at the beginning, I, w- I wonder if she really wasn't reading his mind, and and she was just informed ahead of time by Derek what to say. That could very easily have been, yeah. Yeah. So it is curious. Yeah. But again, those things weren't answered, and. and it doesn't really matter, I guess, because he's Well, and that's part of what I like about it is that it's not answered, so we can talk about yeah. it. We have and we have a lot yeah. to talk about. Not all right. our questions are answered. And I like that you can have different perspectives, right, and just, like, where it goes, right? Like, where you guys th- you thought it was more just a ritual for the, you know, for Hail Satan stuff, and where you could, like, consider that, yeah, it could be something else more, right? right. Like, I love that. And I love the fact that, they yeah, they don't answer everything. Because it's almost right. scarier that way, right? It's it like is scarier. Because you, yeah. you like, don't know what yeah. the true powers are. You see what his dreams are. Could that happen in reality? I don't know. Are they messing with his head? I don't know. Is he just dreaming that? I don't know. I mean, there's just so many different ways you could take this that it's, it's yeah. kind of neat. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, um, and I think I'm actually kind of surprised this film isn't as well known as I – would have thought because after I watched the film, I was like, "It, you know, you know what? Actually, I remember the movie Barrett. This movie that we're I'm going to be talking about this Thursday on our uh, Dark Discussions podcast called uh, Blow Up. I mean, Blow Out, starring John Travolta. That film goes dark to it, and and they said it failed at the box office probably because of that. And this mm-hmm. is kind of like that and they were in the same time period but the thing is is that um this film here um with this ending and these this twist i think it should it would it's not it's surprising that it didn't get as much attention yeah and you don't really hear it talked about in horror circles i don't think right i haven't really heard it talked yeah. about yeah Exactly. And and it's kind of surprising because this is the type of end is like, oh, you want to see something that's different that in a time when all sashes were everywhere and, and horror and whatever, and something happens that is completely unexpected and a twist that will go, holy smokes. And, and yet it's not talked about. It's kind of weird. Yeah. And, really, it didn't really, strange. and it didn't rely on gore or anything. None. Over the top, yeah. Right? Like, right. Right. Like it, it, I can see it being like, it's a really, in a way, it's a really good psychological thriller in a way right of just like yeah like kind of like Rose, rosemary's baby in a way yeah oddly yeah. enough yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean it i mean it you know for the 80s and or b movies in general even though this was a uh uh it was similar to like a sea of love with al pacino you know so it great has a, movie yeah, yeah which is a good one too because it has the 
nude scene. So, you know, Kelly Preston's three times nude and sex scene where there's at least one with her in it. And it has, you know, the Satanist crap and all that stuff. So, so you know, the killers, the serial killers or whatever. So it is a B-movie feel, similar to Sea of Love. But this is like back when Sea of Love came out. A lot of these B-movies now were being made by big production companies. And this was one of them, in a sense, because it is MGM. And and so um, B-movie or not, it has enough interesting elements that Again, I'm coming going back to where what I said just a second ago, which is it's just surprising it's not talked about enough. I, I I don't I'm just completely surprised. It's like a film that if you didn't know Kelly Preston was, was in it, you wouldn't know about it. And it's like weird because it has enough originality with all those twists at the end, and never mind going dark, that I would think this would have been a cult classic. You yeah. Know? It's it's surprising that it, it isn't. Really, you almost feel shocking. like it's an influencer for movies that are nowadays because they're also dark. Yeah, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I mean, mid- midsummer ending, same type of thing in a sense, right? I mean, where it's real dark and the hero may become a villain by the end, you know, or you know, so it's it's just interesting how um, maybe the film came out thirty or forty years too early. Oh, I think it was way ahead of its time. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because when you think about the film's, what, 30, 33 years now? Yeah, 30, yeah. 34 year wow. old film. So, yeah, so this is a 34 year old film, which is kind of nuts when you think about it. Um, but yeah, if this film came out like five years ago, or, or even today, I think it would have got much more notice, to be honest. You know? Yeah. yeah that, that is interesting. Um, but it is what it is. Um, and unlike Blowout, which um, it, it, the, the thing with Blowout, it at least had Travolta, at, and it, at, which is odd because he's married Preston, has six degrees, just Kevin Bacon right there, and that was unintentional. Um, but it was also directed by De Palma, that film. Oh, yeah. Okay, you yeah. Know? So, so that got a lot of notice because of De Palma and Travolta, and that was only seven years earlier. While this one, and again, I'm not trying to compare this film to Blowout, but the dark ending uh, makes it kind of um, like Blowout. And and Sea of Love was was the year after, you know, and and that, but that one didn't have the dark end, but it had the. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm just uh, doing six degrees to films now. It seems. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can't ignore me, but but um. Yeah, that's not see. Love is 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 thirty three years old. Holy smokes! And and blowout is forty one years old now. Holy Jesus! Yeah, that's we're crazy. starting to realize that we're getting old. It sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean the thing the thing is forty one years old now. That's nuts. You know. As I go to PT tomorrow, my body reminds me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Nuts. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. Is like a, 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 I've mentioned when me and and Barrett were born. At least not maybe you, Sean, but me and Barrett. World War Two ended only like twenty five years prior to our birth, and this movie is <laughs> further away from today 
than World War II was when me and Barrett were born. That's just not yeah. Yeah. yeah, when you start putting those comparisons, like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's that's. It's, very it's like, it's like how like when I was a kid and like my dad would used to like listen to like the Beach Boys and all that kind of sixty stuff, and it's like, oh, I was never a fan of the oldies, the oldies. But now the eighties are the oldies, and that's right, my right. music. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I went to trivia a couple of nights ago, and it's the music. Uh, round and I usually do terrible in the music round because if it ain't classic rock or Taylor Swift, I, I, I'm I'm kaput. And fortunately, they played what I guess now would be considered classic rock, even though it really isn't. But it was songs that began with the word "more," and so they played "More Human Than Human" by by White Zombie, and <laughs> and they played uh, "More Than a Feeling" like from the Boston. Yeah. And then and then they did uh one other classic rock, what the heck was it? Uh oh, uh More Than Words by Extreme. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and so that's classic that that, that I could win because that, that was classic rock. And, you know, it, it ain't classic rock like the doors of the Beatles, but it's classic rock, you know. So uh, that was kind of funny. Dude, the nineties are classic now. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, dude, uh, like gr- grunge is now like thirty something years old. It's like holy Jesus because grunge was the same time as this movie. You know? Yeah. It's like crazy. Yeah, but anyway. Um so um Anything else you wanted to talk about back to this movie? Anything? I just wanted to say that the cast was really, really good in their roles, whether they were yeah. small roles or not. I love the pacing of the story and the, the ending. Like, aside from just the fact that my copy was like all messed up trying to watch it, the the movie itself was great. Like, out of the movies that I've been able to to do a podcast with you guys so far, this has been my favorite for sure, no question. Yeah, there wasn't really a soundtrack, sense. was there? Yeah, actually, it was so subtle. It was so subtle. Well, you know what's interesting about this film about and the soundtrack? It was uh, the, the, the guy that did the sound for this film. And, and uh, yeah, I, sh- I should mention a couple of people because it had some fairly well-known people. Um, Basil Polidorus was actually the, the composer uh, of the music. And he's the guy that did, like... Um, uh, Hunt for Red October. He did oh, wow. Command the Barbarian. He did uh, Red Dawn. He did Starship Troopers. Holy you know, so, crap! Yeah, he's yeah, got so a good list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> some of those worked, the scores the best part of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, he, and and he pretty much did almost every movie of uh, until his death in 2006 for John Milius and Paul Verhoeven. You know, and those okay. are two of the greatest directors of all time. You know, so. Because Milius did, you know, Conan and, and all that stuff. And Ver- Verhoeven, you know, everybody knows what he did. You know? So it, it is kind of interesting, um, uh, some of the people on, on this production. So they got him, and then they got Adam Greenberg, who did the cinematography. And he's the guy that did Terminator 2. You know, I mean, so they, this, this film has some big people behind the, the camera. Do, yeah, doing good stuff. talent, that's for sure. Yeah, and, you know, and this is MGM. It's an MGM film, so so it had a lot of real folk uh, working on the production, even if uh, it's a film that a lot of folk may not know about. Um, they must have been really disappointed when it got limited release. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's probably one of those things is is that you know, the film was made. You know, they got all the 
the talent behind it and, and in front of this the film too, because, you know, uh, all these people went on to have pretty good careers that were in front of the film. And, um, they probably did test audiences and the test audience probably said, Oh, this is, this is a downer, you know, <laughs> you know, because, you know, because the first 30 minutes or so it's, it's a kind of a, and again, I'm going to, I'll say it because they say it, it's kind of a romance and stuff, you know, it's like, so it's like, okay. And then it suddenly switches into, um, this, the, the supernatural devil shit. And then it switches into this action thriller, you know, with the, the karate thing. And then with the twist at the end, everybody's dead and, and the villains win. Yeah. And, and, they, and so, <laughs> so you can see, I can imagine like, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, Joe and Paul, Joe and Carol next door who, you know, watch, um, cheers come in to watch this film and go, what the hell am I watching? And say, Oh, this is terrible. Film. I, I, I would never recommend it. Oh my gosh, this is horrible. I can't believe what they did. Oh my God. And, and so I could see that, you know, the, the people saying, the producers saying, all right, we're, we're going to have to release this limited. Well, and us horror buffs didn't have our niche yet. It, right. it didn't become what it is now. So horror was still kind of like pornos. <laughs> they got, yeah. the, you know, the, the worst billing and worst theaters and whatever. They just weren't. Right, right. Yeah, the geeks hadn't taken over yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because uh, and 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 this being uh, and even this, you know, horror fans at this time would go, I, where, "Where the hell is is the, is the chick with the big boobs running away from the guy with the knife?" Yeah, where all the death? Where all the death? Yeah, yeah. So you don't oh, get oh, those oh, right. the end. <laughs> yeah, like, like like you said, uh, Sean. Where, where where is all the all? There, there was no no like gore in this film. What's going on? I can't, this ain't, I don't want to watch this. So this film was like really bad luck, everything about it when it came out, you know? What surprises me though is that it hasn't been remade. Considering all the things that are remade over and over and over, the fact that no one is like saying, hey, this is like ripe for a reboot. Like I shocked me. (laughs) That's actually, you're right, right. Because a lot of people don't even know about this film and and you could see someone, Oh oh my God, we could make this as a film and and turn it into a film. And and people go, yeah, this is, this could be a good film, you know, but yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm shocked. It also had another, that Brock guy is a very recognizable actor that was in lost and some other things. Yes. Which one was that? Who's that? Like they had lots of good character. He, He played Brock, the, um, the oh. prepper guy. Oh, and he was in he was in Lost. He was in Lost, yeah. Oh, really? How about that? Yeah. Was he had a big role? Uh, moderate and towards towards the end of Lost. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, MC MC Ganey is the as director. He was oh, in Justified and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he was in Django Unchained, and and he actually played a voice for Tangled. Yeah. I just watched Tangled last night. Again, oh, great movie. That's another kids. great movie. That is yeah, awesome. That, that, that over and over. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I even said that to my daughter. I go, I think Rapunzel is my favorite Disney princess. And then she said, I thought you said Anna was. All right. Well, then she said my second oh. favorite. <laughs> well, because both her and Anna are spunky. You know, they're really yeah. spunky. So I like them the best. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Anyway, um, all right. So I, I think we can pretty much wrap up this film here. Uh, we don't have time for um, discussing, uh, you know, what we've been watching or not, because we actually had a lot more to talk about uh, than I thought, which which is kind of good. Um, yeah. So uh, let's get our final thoughts on this film here. But before we do, uh, Barrett, uh, me, you uh, do another podcast that we have uh, rotating co-hosts such as Sean that joins us every so often. What's that called? Discovery of Witches? No, no, no. No, not that one. Which one are you talking about now? <laughs> oh, you're right. This is that podcast. What a dumbass. Uh, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Let me, let me rephrase. Uh, uh, what's what's the, the main podcast for this this network that, that you've been co-hosting for a bit now with? Halloween Boutique Psychotronic oh. Reviews. No, no, now we're mixed up. No, no, Dark no, discussions. No. Dark <laughs> discussions, okay. All right, so let's, I'm going to have to cut all that out, so let's start over. So, <laughs> me all right, let's stop, la- let's stop laughing. So I, uh, I'm done. So, uh, I'm serious. I, I, all right, so uh, Barrett, uh, what's that other podcast that uh, we usually do on Thursday nights uh, with co-hosts Eric and Mike? The Dark Discussions Podcast, the main podcast from which all other podcasts descend from. That's right. That's right. And that's uh, similar to this one, except uh, it's, uh, it doesn't usually have interviews or anything, but uh, uh, people should check that out as well. Uh, also, myself, you, uh, Kevin Letts, and uh, we got a new uh, member of the crew here in Sean Fox. Uh, we're do- re- doing a new podcast because uh, the television series is reappearing in five days, which would be uh, the 7th, I think, of January. Uh, what's this podcast that uh, we're, we're starting up again discovery of witches vampires and i can never get the last part no nope, you got it wrong discoveries of witches demons and vampires demons and vampires okay i always miss the demons part because <laughs> they're that's, kind of subtle <laughs> that's right that's true that's true um, so yeah so basically uh that television series of discovery witches which is a, a british production starring Teresa palmer and uh who's the guy sean matthew good matthew good among others uh has coming out with his third season. Uh, it's appearing in the U.S. anyway, and probably, well, at least in the U.S. I, I can't speak for any other country. Um, on Shutter and Sundance and AMC. So if you get any of those three networks, uh, that series will appear there. Uh, we do a weekly podcast on every episode of that series. Uh, you can go back and listen to uh, the prior episodes. Uh, the the show is uh, written by author uh, Deborah Harkness, um, and it's a well-received show. And uh, we are the only all-male podcast on the television series because it is kind of a romance type of show. So it's uh, getting a, a large female audience. And uh, we, we, we're watching it, to be honest. The real reason we're watching it was because I like Teresa Palmer. And I said, hey, why don't we try this show? And we just started watching it, and we decided to – start talking about it uh each week Um, and it is an amazing show it is it is and uh it's coming out once again uh and so follow us there you can find discovery witches demons and vampires on its own feed but it will also appear on the dark discussions feed as well now uh, let's get into our final thoughts on this film so uh, barrett why don't you uh, give us your final thoughts on spellbinder I love this film. I loved it when I first saw it. I still loved it when I saw it again. And now that we've discussed it, I love it even more. I think the casting was really well done. The acting is really good. Um, Everything about this movie, I just enjoy. Uh, It does have that 80s feel. So if you're not big on 
older films and it scares me to say that the 80s is an older film uh that might turn you off but the story is really well told and it has some great twists very good yeah for me um yeah i think this is a hidden gem uh i went in completely blind it was completely different film than i thought um it has some awesome twists it has uh some originality and um a time that a lot of films were very similar. Uh, I'm shocked that it isn't as well known as I feel it should be. Uh, if you're a fan of women filmmakers, both the director and the screenwriter are women. Uh, the film also uh, stars Kelly Preston, which uh, I know there's a big fan base of hers. Uh, and yeah, you can see her naked three times in the film. So it had a lot of things uh, going for it. Uh, and I would highly recommend it. Uh, Sean? Uh, I was just going to say Tracy Tormey's a guy. Dude, did the screenplay? Fuck. Sorry. I, Tracy, god damn. All right, so let me, <laughs> let me just rephrase that right now. Uh, so if you like woman filmmakers, uh, the director is a woman, and so you, that is something of note. Uh, now, Sean, uh, what about you? Uh, what's your feelings of this film? I just want to say that it was like a really a hidden gem and uh, I really enjoyed it. I was really uh, enjoyed ever from everything from the cast story. And just like you guys have said, it's, I would really recommend it for someone who hasn't had the chance to check it out because it's a real fun watch. And you actually said this is a, your, your favorite uh, movie that you reviewed on the podcast. Yeah. So far, this has been the one that I think I've liked the most for yeah. sure. Like just cause there's nothing, there's no real flaws to it. Yeah, I would concur. Yeah. Um, all right. So once again, uh, this film is from 1988. Uh, older film, uh, Janet Greek directed it, uh, written by the man Tracy Tomei, uh, starring Timothy Daly, Kelly Preston, and Rick Rosevich. Uh, Adam Greenberg did the cinematography. Basil Polidoris did the music. MGM production uh, was a limited release at the time but it is uh, available uh at least in the states on amazon for rent uh but also you can find uh the kino lorbar slash scorpion releasing blu-ray of the film uh if you so desire um since it's a boutique label the, the disc will be around 17 or and above but it does have a director's commentary as well as a uh uh what do you call it? A a interview by, oh, on one of the actors. Um, and actually, I, 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 let me rephrase that. The the commentary is someone related to the film, but I don't know exactly who. It could be a producer. I, I'd have to look at the disc. I don't have it in front of me. And I, I'm not quite sure who the the interview is because I have not uh, done either. Barrett, I know you have the disc. Uh, have you uh, watched the interview or listened to the director's? Or I mean, the, the commentary. I have not yet. Okay, so either way, it ha does have extras on the disc, so it, it could be well worth it if you're a fan of the film. Um, and I, I actually, I should probably listen to it because I'd be curious to hear um, the commentary because they would talk about some of the stuff that we were discussing, um, and we could get some answers. It would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, uh, Sean, uh, thanks again for uh, joining us. Um, Thank you. 
for our Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, which is uh, Ian Barrett and, and our revolving co-host. Uh, we almost had a couple others tonight, but uh, Kevin Letts and Amy both had to drop out at the last minute. And uh, Johnny uh, was actually on vacation and, and still on the holidays because, again, this is New Year's weekend. Um, so uh, with all that stated, uh, Bart, why don't you leave us out? Thanks again for joining us. Join us next time when we do something completely different and keep your eyes out for a discovery of witches, demons, and vampires, where we do a podcast of a discovery of witches television show. 